Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. on the beach the only place to read your emails and your tweets it's friday october 23rd thanks for checking out the no dunks podcast here on the athletic network i'm je skeets and alongside me as always we got tass mellis hey everybody great to hear from you again hey Tassie. we got the international man of mystery taking it to the max lee ellis friend mm, lee and last but not least making this magic happen is jd hello there he is and here we are, the bearded one, Trey Kirby, still off camping with the family. I actually texted him last night to ask how many fish he had caught. And uh, sadly, I have to <laughs> report, at least last night, nothing. Only bite came off, Lily. That was the only one he had. But he says, and I'm quoting him here, there's bass in that lake. <laughs> well, is there, though? Well, is there? I mean, I mean, he believes. He believes. Uh. Gotta have some faith, so good luck to Trey Kirby. Uh, He will be back for sure next week for a couple of our podcasts. Uh, Thanks again to everybody for sending in their questions over the last couple of uh, days or over the last week. Keep them coming. Email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com, or you can tweet them in at nodunksinc. We have another great batch of questions uh, to ask, but before we do, had some coaching news that we could just quickly slip in here. I'll just lump them together, and you can go wherever you want with it. The Pelicans hired Stan Van Gundy and his Twitter account as their next head coach, and the Pacers hired Raptors assistant Nate Bjorkren as next head coach. So from Nate to Nate there in Indiana, but the Pelicans hiring the notorious SVG, I think is maybe the bigger news to a lot of uh, at least casual fans probably knowing that name. What do you think? Well, he is a great coach, and we are going to miss him on the tweets. Uh, He was a fantastic Twitter follower. Um, he says he's going to continue with the tweets. At the same time, he is going to tone it down, and he said he is representing an organization now, so things are going to be a little different on the Twitter. But, uh, yeah, it's going to make a difference in our lives. No tweets, no stand on the broadcast, no stand on NBA TV. Uh, Listen, when you watch him or listen to him on any basketball program, you know the guy is extremely thorough in everything he does and extremely knowledgeable. He's not going to be outworked. And that's what all of his players have said throughout the years. Great reviews. Uh, He's also known for establishing a great defense. And that's exactly what he needs to do in New Orleans. That's his primary job. Mm. Uh, We we saw what happened in the bubble. They just kind of fell apart. He told Zach Lowe uh, in July, I think their personnel is good enough defensively, as uh, transcribed there by Dan Devine. And maybe that got him the job. Maybe David Griffin was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast and said, this is perfect. After... What happened to Alvin Gentry in the bubble there? His team just, it didn't show up. It, it really didn't. With, with you know, Zion in and out uh, of the bubble may have been an issue and having to, to deal with his minutes. But the fact is they weren't working hard. 
you got guys like Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, uh, to be able to be able or should be able to to really contribute on that end. Brandon Ingram can Stan Van get something out of him, uh, and, and is Derek Favors going to come back? I'm interested in that because I want to see Zion Williamson at the five, just purely uh, from a, a fan standpoint. And I think Stan Van is inventive enough or or was just curious to see that enough. Uh, so he'll try that out. But I think that what it comes down to is those names, Zion Williamson on the defensive end, Sam Van Gundy with Blake Griffin most recently in Detroit, Dwight Howard uh, back in Orlando. He would, he will get on guys. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's what it's about. It's about accountability. It's about superstars uh, being held to their highest level. And Stan Van is going to do that. So there is definitely hope uh, after an up and down uh, five years for Alvin Gentry, I think I think Stan Van is a a good choice for sure to try and get them to play hard on that end. I mean, that's what it really comes down to is uh, have a program. Superstars got to work, and I think I think SVG can do that. Yeah, I mean, I think the Pelicans were 21st in the uh, NBA last regular season when it came to defensive efficiency. So below averagely, you know, you're going to hope to get that at least above average or average. Do you think this higher, though, SVG in New Orleans, do you think it makes it less likely, more likely that a guy like Holiday stays there, maybe even Redick, both of those guys unrestricted free agencies after the season? Um, you know, will those guys still be on the trade market? It favors, you know, Tass mentioned as well. Like, I wonder with him coming in there, especially Holiday as the, as the best of the bunch there, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's just about their timeline, really. He's got some history with J.J. Redick, uh, Stan Van in Orlando, so he might want to have his veteran presence on the roster sure. there. But if you're J.J. Redick, you probably look at this roster and think we're not competing for a championship in the next season or two when he's you know, he's probably only got a couple of years left in the league. So he may want to go on, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Stan's like, listen, I just want you around uh, to help out, help sort of coach these younger guys. As for uh, Drew Holiday, I mean, we know he's a great player. We know he's a great defensive player. But again, is he is he sort of looking right now and thinking, if I'm going to win a championship, it's not going to be here in New Orleans because it's not going to happen for the next two or three seasons at least, no matter how well Zion Williams develops. So I think uh, Drew Holiday probably probably wants to move on and probably wants to go to a team that's a, a little bit closer to contending. But, of course, it, it, it comes back down to them. What they, can, can they get in return for him? What sort of package do the Pelicans want? Do they want younger guys? Do they want picks? Do they want assets uh, You know, to, to build for the future here with Zion? Because clearly Zion is the key, and they have to get the right players around him. But they also have to get pieces that fit around him. And the big question, of course, is Brandon Ingram. Is that a long-term fit there together? Uh, but in you know, aside from that, they have to get pieces that are going to sort of be able to grow with Zion and sort of reach their uh, their peak at the same time. So that that's going to be the question. I think you get something good in return for Drew Holiday. So I think uh-huh. he's got some value. Uh, it's just whether or not the Pelicans want to have some veterans around, or do they want to just sort of basically blow it up and and start now building around Zion. Yeah, this is what's interesting about the SVG hire. It says to me. Hey, we want to win now. I mean, this is not like a, a Nate Bjorkren or or like some you know unnamed assistant that we don't know of. And it's like, okay, he'll come in and uh, you know we'll look four or five years in the future. And obviously, as Zion as our centerpiece, and we will be a contending team down the road. This Tim, you get Sam Van Gundy. You're saying to me at least. No, we want to win now. No, I'm not saying title, but we want to get in the playoffs. We want to be, you know, a contender of some sort. So that's what that's fascinating. And then, yeah, how much does that play with keeping Drew Holiday or not? 
How many picks can you get for Drew Holiday? Um, you know, are you looking at like what Conley got in his return? You know, that type of thing. So yeah, a lot of questions here. Uh, I'm excited that I'm with you, Tass. It sucks that he won't be on the call because he's one of the best. Um, I do like that we have an NBA TV front office though now and David Griffin and Stan Van Gundy uh, <laughs> together. It feels like we're part of the team in a weird way. Um, but yeah, it's a it's it's a it's an interesting decision to like for me again. I don't know if that's ownership from the Pelicans, if that's Griff himself, like. No, no, we want to win now. And we think we've got obviously some young talent here. And we'll see who stays and what we can get in return for some of these older guys, maybe. But uh, yeah, we're going to go get some W's right now because Stan Van, that's what he's going to do. And he's hopefully going to make that defense better. You know, Dan Devine did have a great article. I thought I shared it on Twitter talking about Van Gundy teams. They control the defensive glass. They keep opponents off the line, keep them out of transition, which the Pelicans were brutal at. They take care of the ball for the most part. And they force the other team to shoot the shots that they don't want to take. It's pretty simple stuff, really. But that's what Stan Vanny tries to implement those, like, that the classic, don't kill yourself. Like, let, like just don't make it easier for your opponent. So uh, they should be better. They're, they're instantly going to be better, I think, mm. with Stan Van Gundy that's as their it. coach. But uh, how much better in a loaded West? I mean, like, are the Pelicans to you... Uh, I know this is tough right now here in October, and we don't even know when the season's starting, but are they a playoff team? Like, they are locked to make the playoffs? It should be that. That should be their expectation. It, it, I think so. I, you think it, they're a lock? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. They're but the, not go, a lock. But the but, goal. But this is what hiring Stan Van Gundy is saying. You think? Yeah, I, sure. I think. Yeah. I think there's two extremes we saw in in one season last year. The expectations fell out of fell off the table because Zion Williamson wasn't there. And then when mm-hmm. we saw him come back, the expectations went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And if he's healthy, uh, I think we're all sort of we're all we're all in the boat where. We're still kind of sour with what happened in the bubble, just as as far as you know, a fan base goes. But big picture, if David Griffin uh, sits back and, and looks at what Zion did and what his team uh, looked like on the offensive end for uh, a good chunk of his minutes, he's got to be pumped. And so, yeah, you bring in Stan Van because you want to win right now. I think Drew Holiday is there next year because uh, mm-hmm. Stan Van is a guy who wants Drew Holiday on the floor big time. Uh, so I, I expect them to have the same type of team and, and it would be a huge disappointment if Zion is healthy next year and they don't make the playoffs uh, for them because it's there's a lot to tinker with. And I think that's when Stan Van, when he was on Zach Lowe in, Ju- in July, he wasn't you know pining for the job back then. That was Alvin Gentry's job back then. But if you listen to that podcast, you can hear the gleam in Stan Van Gundy's eye. He is pumped to just talk about that roster, right. to talk about Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson and and what everybody was excited for last year, you know, when we're looking forward to game one, Zion is going to take the floor. And then he got injured and it didn't happen until, you know, he hit four threes against the Spurs. I guess it was January when he came back. But I think they have enough talent. And and we talk about defense. Zion Williamson, uh, there's the highlight that is played constantly from his college days where he's in the lane and he goes out and blocks a shot in the corner with like a step and a half, like a Giannis-like step. He can be, if he's held accountable, a, a great defensive player as well. And they've got the offensive tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brandon Ingram is a star. So I think they their, their goals should definitely be the playoffs. And if they're healthy, they should definitely be disappointed if they don't make it. It's exciting. It feels like it's almost like, you know, whatever it was, 12 months ago when everyone was pumped to see Zion on the floor. Yeah, I think with Drew Holiday too, uh, the idea of trading him or not, I think it's totally up to him. I think if Drew Holiday, I think he's so respected in this league um, and, and I'm sure has a great relationship with the Pelicans that if he said, like you were saying, Lee, if he was like, 
I want to go win a ring. You know, I don't think it's going to happen here in the next couple of years. You guys are set up maybe for the long term, but like, I want to go get that. I'm getting to that point in my career. I think they would, because he's obviously would be coming up to free agency, unrestricted free agency a, a year from now. I think they would honor that, and I think they would look to see what they could get for him. But I'm not so sure he would actually... I don't know. You know, Drew Holiday doesn't seem like that type of guy to me either. Like, I, I have no idea. Like, maybe he was just like, no, this... You know, we got a new coach in here. Let's see what we can do. And maybe, like, Tass, I sort of split the difference here is you don't trade him this offseason, whatever the hell the offseason means anymore, but you wait until whenever the trade deadline is, right? Um, and then, you know, you get the odd desperate team and maybe the trade package coming back is a little juicier. Maybe there's an extra pick. Maybe there's another younger, small, uh, younger asset that's included. So, yeah... I sort of now think if I'm a betting guy, I wouldn't. I don't think Drew Holiday will be on a different team at the start of next season, though I still sort of have an idea that he will be traded uh, <laughs> uh, around the trade deadline because I, at that point, you know, who knows what your team has done up to that point? How many wins you have? Are the Pelicans in a race, a playoff race? Are they have they shocked people in like a, a fifth seed? Who knows? But I, I sort of think he will be there now at the start of the year, and I think Redick as well. Favors is an interesting one, but we'll see. Anything to add before we get to the questions uh, with the Pacers hiring uh, Raptors assistant Nate Bjorkren? Um, I believe I'm saying that right. You know, it's one of those ones that I think is not yeah. that difficult to say, but it looks crazy, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, this was a little out of left fieldly. Um, you know, there was all there's been a lot of big names being thrown around. You know, uh, coaches that have coached before, and this guy gets his first shot here in Indiana. What do you think? They're hoping to get Nick Nurse light, really, because yeah, uh, yeah. he's been with Nick Nurse a long time. I think dating back 12 or 13 years when they first started coaching together. And he's going to try to adapt a lot of the principles that Nick Nurse has implemented there in Toronto. Three-pointers, move that ball. And you know what? If things aren't working, I'm going to try things. I'm going to try mm-hmm. things differently. I'm going to try to improve the defense. Uh, he likes that opportunity, likes that team. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's a, it's, it's a bit of a flyer here for sure for the Pacers uh, because he's, he's, a, he's a relative unknown to most basketball fans. But I think they look at the success that Nick Nurse had and how, how he was able to communicate with players. And that's one of the things that Bjorkren t- spoke about. He said, we've got to communicate. We've got to get everyone on the same page. And that's one thing that Nick Nurse has been very, very successful with. So if the Pacers can get a guy who's able to, uh, you know, communicate with his players and get the same sort of um, respect from them, and things should improve for the Pacers. I think this is a playoff team. It's just they've been this same sort of on the treadmill here for a couple of years now where they make the playoffs. They're good enough to make the playoffs, you know, fifth seed, sixth seed, even higher. But that's they can't really get any further than that. So uh, the Pacers are hoping to turn a corner. They've got a few question marks, of course, with their roster mm-hmm. as whether or not Oladipo stays, maybe Miles Turner. Uh, so that'll be some interesting things there for, for Indiana. But uh, I, think it's, it's, I think it's worth a shot. Why not? I, I think uh, he's done his time. And uh, they've seen success with Nick Nurse, and they think maybe uh, Nate can have the same sort of impact on our team. Anything to add, Tess? No, it's just kind of hard to uh, evaluate because you don't know what his roster is going to be. Mm-hmm. We don't know if Victor Oladipo is going to be there. Uh, I assume he's got uh, the um, the chutzpah of a, a, um, a Nick Nurse. Like He's going to take some chances and, and try and get creative on the offensive end, but... Who the heck knows the Pacers roster next year? I mean, we really have no idea. And that leads us into our first question, unless you want to talk. No, some, let's uh, do it. Some Nate. Yeah, let's do it because we got a hypothetical here. We got a who says no. I know you're excitedly. <laughs> Hello, no dunks. I love your podcast. I listen to you guys so much that I think of you all as friends. My question today is a who says no. The Warriors trade. Andrew Wiggins and their 2020 second overall pick for the Pacers. TJ Warren and Miles Turner. I think mm. the Warriors do it because they move on from Andrew Wiggins. They just got the guy. And in return, 
get back a solid third scoring option in TJ Warren, and get a great defensive center in Miles Turner who can try and slow down Anthony Davis. I think the Pacers do it because they start a proper rebuild and get a solid young player in the second overall pick who they can build around. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That's from Morgan, our friend in Australia. Skeet, so what do you think of this? Warriors, Pacers, who says no deal? I'll tell you who says no. The Pacers say no. The the Warriors say absolutely mm. yes. Mm. Instantaneously. <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. Come on. Okay. First off, I couldn't believe that this actually checks out. Like, you can actually do this trade. You, you read it and you're like, how is that going to work, uh, you know, financially? It does because Wiggins makes a sh- ton of money. Um, you know, $29.5 million. Still three years to go. The number two pick, you know, obviously rookie scale contract type thing. That's going to be close to nine million. But then Warren, eleven point seven million for two years. Turner, seventeen point five million for three years. So basically, adding those two gets you to Wiggins. So it does work. Here is why, though. Um, I just think the Pacers say no. And and this, and this is like a. I'm glad we got to this because you've seen a lot of these. Like the Warriors are going to trade the number two pick. What could they get back? Who could they get back? There is an overall lack of consensus surrounding the top available prospects in this draft. Now, I am not a draft expert, but that is that is clear. If this were to happen, there's no way it, it goes through without, I think, Golden State having to throw in another pick. In the, They have to probably throw in the 2021 Minnesota pick from the D'Angelo Russell trade, which is protected top three in 2021 and then is unprotected. Now things that gets a little more interesting to me because you have the Pacers taking on the bigger, longer-term deal in Wiggins, who, by the way, of those three guys that we mentioned, is he the worst player? Easily. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, so you'd okay. have to I be think getting... I think we're super pumped about TJ Warren's run. No, here, I'm not but... super pumped at all about TJ Warren. Well, okay. But he's, right. Wiggins is not as good as a TJ Warren. I'd rather hit him on my team. At the contract he is tasked... Basically well, a third okay. what he makes. Okay, well you're throwing two things in there. Is he the best, better well, player? It all goes or together. Contract. Uh, I mean, is he going to be your small forward on a championship team? Like, are the Warriors going to say, "Hey, this guy's our starting small forward on our championship team"? TJ Warren. Yeah. yeah. Well, TJ can play can a little a bit with four Wiggins. in this. Yeah, I, you you are holding. <laughs> I mean, Wiggins Island is completely yours now, but uh, I, I respect. I almost respect it, but. I just don't think the Pacers do this without another pick being thrown in there is my point. Because again, this draft is not like, you're not getting John Moran at number two here. You don't, you, like, you're, you don't even know who you're going to get because you don't know first off if Minnesota's keeping the number one pick and who they're taking or if it's traded, who the hell the other team is taking. So who's, le- you know, I mean, are you getting Ball? Are you getting Wiseman? Are you getting Edwards? Like, you don't really know. And all three of those guys, by the way, again, I'm not an expert when it comes to the draft, but no one's like, well, they're a 10-time All-Star. You know, they're, they're a future All-NBA player. Like, people are not saying that by any means with a lot of these guys. So it's a huge unknown. So I just think in this scenario, and this is to our friend Morgan, this is an easy who says no that the Pacers would say no. They would need more. Um, but the, all that wow. to say, I mean, I, there is there are packages for Wiggins and the number two pick and maybe another pick out there. I just don't think it's going to be as juicy as what I think is a pretty good return in TJ Warren and Miles Turner. Those are two really complimentary players in my opinion to Steph Curry Clay and Draymond Lee you agree or disagree no I, I agree I would if I'm the Pacers I would not want Andrew Wiggins uh, coming back for giving up those two players I mean TJ Warren I think would actually be a, a nice fit on that team if you've got Steph and Clay and Draymond out there and I'm am I forgetting someone uh, no but then and then TJ Warren just to shoot three pointers in the corner I think that's that's okay. That's what the Pacers, uh, the Warriors would be looking for. They don't need someone else who's going to command a whole lot of the ball. And, the, uh, the Warriors would do this in a heartbeat is yeah, the point. Yeah, yeah. And okay, Miles, so, 
Yeah, and Miles Turner, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of his right now, but I think, again, in the right team and the right system, he could improve. But, uh, yeah, that the, you, you what you're saying there as well is about the draft. No one knows anything really about how deep this draft is, A, because we didn't see a lot of these guys play, and B, it's just not being hyped up. A lot of people have got, like, multiple different guys going in that one or two spot. So, uh, yeah, if I'm the Pacers, uh, you need way more than that in return if you're going to give up those two players. And if you're the Warriors, though, again, you're in a win-now mode. So a rookie coming onto that team, I'm not sure how much that fits anyway. So I think the Warriors are definitely looking to move and oh, get I- some more veterans. Um, so, yeah, I think they would do that as well. But See, I man. agree with that. But my point is, usually the number two pick, wow, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Because usually that means I'm getting a real damn good player. I think it's different this year. I, I think it's a bunch of unknowns. And it's like, it doesn't have as much value as it normally would at the number two spot. Mm. I think that's my point. So if I was, again, Indiana in this scenario... I'm just going to need more. I'm just yeah. going to need. I'm going to need another pick. I'm going to need that Minnesota pick. Throw it in. All right, top three protected, 2021, and then unprotected. That's that's a little juice here because now you're looking at drafts down the line, and you're Indiana, and you're rebuilding and all that, and you're moving guys anyway. So you would just ask for more. That's that's what I think, Tass. But you yeah. you don't mind it. Well, I, I think the, the the Pacers would be inclined to say yes just because they get that number two pick. It just A number two pick just doesn't come around very often. I know everybody doesn't know who is going one, two, three, and there are teams that are thinking, well, maybe we can trade down from two to eight and still get our guy uh, because there's just there's so many varying opinions. Right. But if you want to start a rebuild, like the Pacers sure seem like they do. If Victor Oladipo is going to go somewhere else if he is not the star that they uh, thought they had in 2018 when he was dueling LeBron in a seven-game series, well, then maybe you got to move on. And to get a number two pick, look up and down their roster. They don't have a high pick uh, sitting on their bench. They just they just don't. So, yes, I understand that you may not get a star at the number two pick. Uh, but um, I think that starts the conversation for this trade because you may want to move on from T.J. Warren when his value is – uh, ridiculously high here if you're going to start the rebuild. And, and Miles Turner, as solid as he's been, uh, he hasn't really impressed to the level that everyone expected to. So I, I don't know. If I'm the Warriors, uh, I, I try and get somebody else for the number two pick. Yeah, Miles Turner, you're going to have out there guarding Anthony Davis? I guess. Um, but I don't know. There's there's big question marks on both sides when you look at this deal. And I know Andrew Wiggins um, is a question mark in and of himself, for sure. Uh, but they're going to give him a chance to, to guard some people on the wing. And, and and Lee saying, you know, TJ Warren in the corner hanging out. Well, Andrew Wiggins hanging out and being a third option as well. And you know he can he can play defense. Will he? Who the heck knows? This, I mean, this is who says no, who says yes. It's a very difficult question. This is, what, this is a very how, about, how about this trade idea then? I saw SI.com threw this one out. Wiggins, the number two pick, and... That Minnesota 2021 pick, because again, I think that's going to have to be included in a lot of these, to Atlanta, Lee, for Clint Capella and the number six pick. Warriors stay in the draft, obviously slide down a little bit, so they're going to be able to pick someone uh, that you're going to have to, it'd be nice to have a cheap guy (laughs) on our roster with obviously a bunch of money, and you get Clint Capella as your big to pair with all your shooters a guy that you're gonna then you know is you're gonna be i guess asked to try and guard the anthony davisons and stuff like that what do you think of that one wiggins number two pick 2021 minnesota pick for capella and the number six pick yeah so you're getting two two like high picks basically in exchange there for capella and wiggins i i think the hawks would do that i mean because they're at a different uh, place right now the only question is trey young we know 
was frustrated with front office last year where he was like, I need some players around me. I want to start winning. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. would that upset him a little bit if you're like, okay, we, we're sort of stocking up again for next year's draft and we're getting another high draft pick, right. another guy to develop. So we're going to sort of, the timeline gets pushed back a little bit further. So they may be cautious of that. But in theory, otherwise, I think, yes, you do that if you're if the Atlanta horse. Just accumulate those assets. Keep going until you're ready because you've got some good players there, some good potential. But someone like John Collins, I mean... How much better is he going to get? And is he a guy for the future? So maybe you can look to sort of maybe move him in a package. And if you've got another draft pick there, that's when you can sort of start to uh, sweeten deals if you want to try to get another player. So that's mm-hmm. how I think it works. I think if you're the Hawks, yes, you do that. And then we would have Wiggins right here in our backyard. Oh, I'd man. Be, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be on the Hawks. Be, Clint Capella, would, uh, he wouldn't even have played a game if uh, this something like this went down for the Hawks. Wow. He didn't play for them, right? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. No, no, no. I saw uh, some footage of him and, and Trey Young looking at a uh, a whiteboard, looking over a play, and I thought, where the heck is that from? But I guess they they hung out and right. They you just they, never played, yeah. Yeah, did a little work together, but uh, yeah, they would move on before he played a game. Just like Morgan the emailer saying the Andrew Wiggins. Well, they'd move on from Andrew Wiggins. They just got the guy. Uh, but I understand. I understand Wiggins is a very polarizing He's going to be a hot potato, I think, for sure. Yeah, People yeah. are like, yeah, I mean, he's got that huge contract, but he's the number one pick. He's got talent. He's athletic. Maybe we can get something out of him, but he'll end up on eight teams in six years. I mean, at this point, it's almost, I'd be shocked if the Warriors don't do something ahead oh, yeah. of you know, draft night here because they have so much to play with. They have all these picks. You know, you got a big deal in Wiggins. You got the player exception still from Iguodala, 17.2. Um, uh, huge one. Yeah, they've got smaller ones as well. I don't think you can uh, package those together, by the way, in the same trade. But yeah, I'll be shocked if they don't do something at this point. There's just so much smoke. Um, and you, you know, it feels like there got to be a little bit of fire with that. But we will see. Maybe they just end up taking Wiseman at number two. And they're like, all right, it's our big. We'll just go with the young big with, these, uh, with all these shooters. We will see. All right, great first one to get us started. Next one here. Ayo, No Dunks crew, on a recent pod, Skeets mentioned how he always forgets that the Nets made back-to-back finals appearances in 02 and 03. Yes, I did. Couldn't believe it. I had to catch myself. Uh, this got me thinking about other successful teams over the past 10 to 15 years that basketball fans or the NBA community has forgotten about. What you got? Turnip. Love you guys. No awesome from Tim here. Just stopped right after love you guys. That is from Tim again. So yeah, teams, uh, successful teams at that past 10 to 15 years that we've just forgotten about for whatever reason Tess why don't you get started well this one's definitely forgotten uh it's not so much for what they accomplished that I want to talk about them but who it was up against the Washington Wizards were LeBron's first rival it's forgotten the first three years when Bron went to the playoffs when he was a member of the Cavs he went up against the Wizards it's a good one and the infamous teams of Gilbert Arenas Karam Butler Antoine Jameson three straight years and we were getting Peak Gill. That first year, uh, he averaged 34 points per game in that playoff series <laughs> against the Cavs. It was only a, a six-game series, but th- th- this that was this was awesome Gill. He was 43% from three-point land. He got injured for the second one, and he kind of uh, wasn't the same player after that. It was a real short peak uh, for Gilbert Arenas. But those two teams did not like each other. And, you know, this is 2006, so... Uh, this was kind of going back to a, an era where the big man was, you know, more traditional, was trying to put uh, uh, the best player on the other team on his ass. And the Wizards had Brendan Haywood, mm-hmm. uh, the big, big center. And uh, there was a time 
where LeBron said, I mean, it was mid, mid-series where he said, you know, I'm getting hit and not getting the calls. Uh, and Brendan Haywood was asked about that. We've got the clip here. Oh, he's trying to hurt me. I mean, come on, man. This is the, this is the playoffs, man. He, he wears 23. He wants to be Michael Jordan. I can respect that he's a great player. You saw what Mike went through. Mike got fouled way worse than this. You know what I'm saying? It's, no one's trying to hurt him. Everybody's trying, trying to play basketball, trying to play tough. Play basketball, leave it alone. Trying to hurt me. How do you forget that? <laughs> That's great stuff. I mean, if that was today, I was just a little pre-Twitter. Uh, if that was today, that would be circulating for a good 48 hours. People would love it. Oh, People would God. keep going back to it. But, uh, yeah, he was trying to rock LeBron's world, and it didn't really work out for the Wizards uh, three straight years. They, it was six games the first time. Then it was a sweep for the Cavs the second time with no Gilbert Arenas, uh, no Karan Butler even. Right. And then the third time was another six-gamer. But it was it was a decent battle. It was a decent yeah, battle. Yeah, uh, we had the uh, Deshaun Stevenson, right, versus LeBron <laughs> yeah, in, one of, the, in right. one of those yeah. years. That was exciting. That's a good pick. Yeah, Wizards was a good team. I mean, you're obviously running into a young LeBron. Never going to be easy to get by him. But that's a good one. You got, mm-hmm. a, you got a team there to add, Lee? Well, I mean, uh, how well-known are the grit and grind Grizzlies in that era that they went through between right. Uh, casual, casual basketball fans. So I think we obviously remember it there. But for what seven, seven straight seasons? Uh, what do I got? It's, yeah, seven straight seasons. They made the playoffs, made the conference finals, got swept by the Spurs. But they had that uh, incredible upset of the Spurs as well, where they mm-hmm. tanked to get the eighth spot to draw the Spurs and then knocked them out in six games, which was really an incredible effort by uh, by a Memphis team. But you just kind of knew what you were getting with the Grizzlies every single season. A tough team. The grindhouse there was a real, real tough place to win. And uh, it's just a pity they never made it through to the NBA Finals. I would like to have seen that team, you know, because they were very well liked as well. Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley, Tony Allen, and then Vince when he came along as well. So they were uh, one of those teams that I think everyone kind of had as a second team. Mm-hmm. You know, people sort of like to see them perform, uh, but they just never quite got over the line there. And uh, But they were fun. They were fun to watch, and they were always, always tough in those playoff games. They had a couple of good series against the Thunder as well, which were uh, which were pretty good. So... You know, I think it's a, it's an era that, uh, again, casual basketball fans I don't think will remember, but us hardcores who covered it will, will say they were uh, they were a fun team. They were a fun team to cheer for anyway. I'm going to add a team to the list for the future. The current Bucks team. <laughs> the current Bucks team. When we do this question 10 years from now, they'll be on my list. Like, we're talking, you know, the last couple Bucks teams here. I, I forgot, like, the 1920 Bucks, you know, pre-pandemic, they were the earliest team to clinch a playoff berth since 1984. Uh, they, they had that wrapped up quickly. They were in. Finished 56-17, and 17, again, in a very weird year. They had that 18-game winning streak. And, of course, just flamed out in the playoffs. But this has been they were a very successful. I mean, this is like Budenholzer's Hawks teams, of course. Very successful regular season team and came up short in the playoffs. Now, will it make a huge move this offseason? Try and get a Chris Paul, somebody else, to go even further, try and make a finals, maybe even win a title. Then that changes this, but uh, I guess I'm banking on that not being the case. And then, uh, unfortunately, like, you know, going out in a second round again, and then it's like, wow, this team won, like, basically 60 games three years in a row. They had MVP uh, back-to-back, I mean, three times for all we know. Uh, had all these great players, and they just couldn't get even to the conference finals. Um, that's rough, so... 
We'll go Bucks. Looking in the future. Looking at my crystal <laughs> ball. But I liked your answers. Those are great. I, the, I love the Wizards one. And the Grit and Grind Grizzlies for the casual fan. No doubt. I'm sure uh, I'm sure the people in the, the stream teamers are maybe throwing out some other ones too. I don't know if I don't have my eye on it. But. Yeah, sort of in your uh, wheelhouse of the Milwaukee Bucks. The 2015 Hawks that Hawks, won yeah. 60 Ta-da. games. Oh, what's yeah. the uh, common denominator there? Yeah. <laughs> Here, make your best uh, Budenholzer face, Lee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's great audio. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Early 2000s, Celtics made a conference final, according to Jason Fire 34, the old Pierce and Antoine Walker. That was somewhat random. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. random conference finalists here, there. I was thinking about uh, the mellow Nuggets in that light. Uh, They, you know, Mm. snuck one in there. But yeah, it's hard to repeat um, those as far as just success, getting to finals that are forgotten. It's hard to repeat what the Nets did in 02 and 03 when you're looking for somebody that's forgotten i mean that just mm. that just doesn't happen i'm still young. like i'm still You're not, not sure. convinced we're right <laughs> yeah like i keep going what they made it to back-to-back finals of 2003 i mean i guess it is weird too they played two different teams um yeah it's just and just and didn't really have much of a i mean i know they i guess it well the one did go long right the one series it just well against the spurs yeah feel they, like it yeah. so it was strange yeah two in that series so, so uh, weird I always remember it because Dikembe Mutombo was the center for the Sixers that went to the finals yeah. in 01, and then he got traded to the Nets and was the center for the Nets in 2002, and then you get a Todd McCullough center for 2003. Right. Pinball wizard. Yeah. 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 Man. And maybe a part of this too is like they're they're not even the New Jersey Nets anymore. Like they're not like it's just like it feels like a completely different team, even though it's of course the same franchise in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, it's still weird to me that they went back to back. But uh, that's it. If you can beat that one, let us know in the stream team or tweet at us at No Dunks Inc. Hello, shop blockers. Reading about recent Rockets history when Daryl Morey stepped down, I was reminded multiple times of Houston missing 27 straight threes in Game Seven against the Warriors back in 2018. It struck me that those few words, 27 straight threes, would be enough to ruin any Rockets fan's day. This got me thinking of other short phrases that haunt certain NBA fan bases. 3-1 lead for Warriors fans, four bounces for Sixers faithful, and Lebronto for Raptors fans are just a few recent examples. Can you guys think of any other NBA moments that torment a specific team's fan base in just a few words? This question ended up being a lot more evil than I intended. Uh, turnips, <laughs> Animal Crossing. That's from Mitch in Coburg. Mm. Uh, Lee, what do you think? Well, I've got one for both you guys, and I'm pretty sure it's going to work. I'm going to test out my theory here. Okay. What's the score, Chris Giles? Oh, how dare you. How dare you, you son of a bitch. Wow. Wow. Uh, I, I can yeah. picture that play so vividly. What oh, was he What God. was he doing, man? What was he doing? You know, I don't know. Because it was off a free throw, too. Stackhouse yeah. hit a free throw. So, you know, it wasn't like... It wasn't in open yeah, play yeah. per se. Right, you know, crazy so, turnover. Exactly, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So they had time. And he's and the he, point guard too. Yeah, and he was good when he... Yeah, I think he only played like a year and a half in Toronto. I thought he was very good when he's in mm-hmm. Toronto, but he just... Yeah, he just blew it. And uh, man, that was a tough way to lose that uh, series. Yeah, what year was that again? It's... Uh, uh, 2002. Two, okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was mm-hmm. three. Yeah, I've got, uh, one, I've got one more. This one's a more generic. It's more for um, the entire league rather than just the team, but... With the second pick in the 1984 NBA draft. Hmm, that's Portland, good. Portland Trailblazers select. That's good. That's good. I, I got a couple here. Um, I think uh, you would anger a lot of Suns fans if you brought up 
I don't even know if you need to throw the player's name. You just say hip check. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Robert Horry hip check, which uh, obviously got some key players suspended in that series. Maybe that was going to be the one where Phoenix went to the finals. Maybe one. Uh, Mavs fans, I mean, things turned out well for them down the line, but if you just said the We Believe Warriors to Mavs oh, yeah. fans, that's going to be a rough one uh, to uh, try and swallow. And then for Kings fans, I mean, you either just say 2002 Western Conference Finals, you say 40 free throw attempts, maybe you just say 27 fourth quarter free throw attempts, maybe you just say Dick Bavetta, you know, a lot of things that are going to trigger that game six of uh, that game where they got the, the Lakers got a very kind whistle. Though, if you remember, and I've heard other Kings players even, I think Doug Christie has said this, like, they had a game seven at home, at home, and they missed 14 free throws in that one. They missed them. So it was not a referee, anyone doing that to them. Um, and uh, that ultimately uh, helped them blow that game and blow their chances of maybe winning a title. So those were the three that came to mind for poor Suns, Mavs, and uh, Kings fans. You got anything else to add well, to us? Just, just quickly, imagine we had a Kings-Nets final then in 2002. You might not have even remembered that one at well, all. I would, I'd be super <laughs> upset. Mike Bibby would have a, yeah. a ring with the Kings, right? <laughs> You got anything to ask? That's a little like uh, Detroit San Antonio in 2005. It's a bit of the uh, the forgotten series. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday. Kills jazz fans. I mean, two free throws. <laughs> <laughs> Just needed one. Uh, now they probably would have lost if they hit one. If uh, Carl didn't hit both because MJ went down the other end, bang that home, and that was the end of that series. Uh, well, I mean, the pal- malice at the palace for Pacers fans specifically because oh, yeah. the Pistons had just come off winning the title, and then this. So I don't think it it, it hurts them as much. It hurts that Ron Artest was gone for the rest of that season. And that team was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talk about the Suns potentially making the finals if there wasn't the suspensions and the, and the hip check there. You know, the Pacers were awesome uh, with Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal, and then things just fell apart from there. I think for uh, Hornets fans. Just Kobe, one word. Uh, they drafted Kobe and, and traded him for Vladdy Divac. Uh It could have been a lot different uh, if they had Kobe Bryant on their team. And uh, a weird one, uh, but sort of like the uh, the We Believe Warriors. For Cavs fans, LeBron in 2010, but also LeBron coming back and, and mm. helping them win. But that was, uh, you know, it was a, sto- it was a storybook in, in a weird way, but... We all remember the jerseys burning in 2010 when yeah. uh, when he. I left. think you would in that one you would say the decision for sure that would yeah. that would trigger some maybe Cavs fans but you're right ended up working out for everybody so that's great that's a fun question that's a great question Mitch uh, and again if you got answers let us know in the stream team or tweet them in at No Dunks Inc we got lots of questions still to get to here but first a quick word from our sponsors looking for an assist with your credit card but you can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. 
All right, next question here. Dear nude onlookers, a friend who doesn't watch a ton of basketball remarked during the finals that the Miami Heat logo looks like garlic. (laughs) I looked at it closely, and lo and behold, it does look like a well-defined hunk of garlic with a wispy little haircut. All right. Which other NBA logos could moonlight as foods? P.S. Grammarly helped me make this email clearer and more concise. Turnips. Love the trade. Stock them. That's from Angelo in Brooklyn. Mm. Um, yes. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I can see the garlic there in the, in the mm-hmm. Heat logo. Um, but any other NBA logos that can moonlight as foods, Tass? Well, it's, it's really good. The Heat one is really good. L- let's take a quick look at that garlic. Okay. Yeah. 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 I see yeah. it. Totally, totally true. I found this uh, a little difficult, but when I looked at the Blazers logo, okay, kind of looks like a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> look okay. Look at all those yeah. noodles. Or specifically, if if you put that fork in there and you give it a twirl, there it is. Right. Right. Got, right. Right. You got a fork full of spaghetti right there. So. <laughs> Blazers logo, classic logo right there. I, I looked at all these logos. I was struggling to come up with an answer. I did I did stop on the Blazers one, and I was like, this looks like something, but I couldn't get to spaghetti yeah. task. Way to do it. Uh, Lee, any luck with any of the other ones? Uh, same as you. I was like, oh, my God, what, what am I seeing here? The only thing I can sort of see is the Indiana Pacers uh, logos, kind of someone holding like a chicken drumstick or a turkey drumstick. Oh, okay, maybe. not bad. Yeah, They're at like yeah. the fair, eh? That exactly. Medieval times, they got the turkey leg. Exactly. That That's the best one I could come up with. So, um, yeah. But they've changed so much over the years as well, you know? That's true. Like everybody. I mean, there, there should have been Just a few more. Just when you more, think but... you've seen an NBA logo and you've figured out the food it looks like, they go and change the logo on it. So, Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yes. Uh, there's, an old, there's an old Rockets R that... Is kind of looks like it's dripping at the bottom, like it's yeah. kind of like a uh, yeah. split barbecue sauce. Yeah, no, and it, I, like it looks like it's definitely dipped into something, <laughs> uh, but the R doesn't look like food. So. Right, right. <laughs> and, and and I'll just say this now, okay? Just save yourself, save the email of sending us in, pointing out if you turn the Bulls logo upside down, it's uh, yeah. like a robot reading a Bible. Okay, mm-hmm. that's been around since the Wizards were battling LeBron James in the playoffs. Uh, so just you don't need to let us know. We're well aware. It's crazy. You're right. It looks like a robot, and uh, it's so funny that comes around. But once a year, that just like gets like finds life again on Twitter or on the blogs or whatever. Oh, look at this! It's like, yeah. yep, we've been looking at that for fifteen plus years. I'm sure I blogged about that in one of my first years, and it'll be around. It's amazing though. All right, let's what keep about going the? Uh, oh. um, I don't know if you remember back in 2016 when Jägermeister went after the Bucks for their logo, yep. like mm. that. It's pretty, pretty close. It's pretty yeah, close. It is. It is indeed. Are you a Jägermeister fan, Lee? Uh, no, I've had it, but uh, not for, I don't know. I couldn't tell you the last time I've had it, but, you know, I've tried it. Yeah, right. it's fine. Have you ever done, uh, what, what's it the called? Bomb. A, a Dr. Pepper? Bomb. Don't they call it a Dr. Pepper where you drop a shot of Jäger, Jägermeister in a, in a pint of beer and you chug uh, it? It tastes like Dr. Pepper. No, I don't think I've ever done <laughs> okay. that. No, I okay. think I've just had shots of it and it's like, eh, I don't see what the big deal is. Not that special. <laughs> That's fair. Great. Good. <laughs> Glad we cleared up all of that. Yeah. All right. Next up, I'm, I'm, I'm just not a big shots guy, to be honest with you. I'm not a big shots guy. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because you're not of... 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. One night I remember having uh, a few too many tequila slammers, and uh, oh, that made a bit of a mess of me that day. Yeah. I, uh, I remember I came home because I'd been out and I, uh, and I slept all day, and mum was just like, 
What did you drink last night? Because you're usually not that bad. Like you're usually, if you're hungover, usually up and about. But I was just in bed all day. I said, cool oh, story, because, bro. Think I was drinking tequila, a little bit too much tequila. She's like, okay. Yeah, Lee, we've never done a shot while we watch the AFL Grand Final. Ah, oh, hey, it's on tomorrow morning. I know. 4.30 in the morning. You man. want to do a tequila shot at 5.30 in the morning or whatever <laughs> oh. it is? Uh, let's do Sambuca instead. I think that's uh, cool. that's more traditional. Oh, you yeah. gotta you gotta do Bundy or uh, Bundaberg oh, rum. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. the Australian. It's basically, mm. it's the Australian screech for the Canadians out there. Oh, there mm. you go. Mm. Um, so yeah, this is going to be the first time in a long time we're not getting together to watch it. Obviously, unfortunately, yes, yeah. 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 And but it, it, like I think I got it wrong. It's actually four thirty our time as first bounce. <laughs> oh, we're uh, they started they started daylight saving uh, out on the east coast before we've ended it here. So and that's weird because we usually watch it at night here in America because they play the game during the day but yes. you're saying for the first time whatever they're playing this at night over there in Australia first time okay. ever first time ever a night Ooh. grand final first time does ever does the ball uh, bounce differently under the moonlight <laughs> I mean most of the big games are played at night anyway now because oh. of the TV audience but uh, first time ever it's not been in uh, at the MCG apart from 1991 they had it at uh, a different ground because they were renovating the MCG so oh, uh, there you go uh, a lot of traditionalists are like, oh, it's not the same. It's not in Melbourne, but it's it's, it's a uh, national so who, game. Who's in the Who's in the final this year? Two Victorian teams, ironically. Oh, it's it's Richmond again. Richmond are going for their third in four years against Geelong. So uh, go Cats. I'm going the Tigers. I'm going for the uh, Tigers. I'm going Cats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I would say uh, Richmond are probably about a ten to fifteen point favorite. I would say. Ooh. I would say. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Good luck to uh, both teams. Hope it's a high scoring affair. Yeah. Is, that you, is that what you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you cleaned up last year. Remember, you won the uh, you I won the, the the money line. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm really good at picking AFL games. <laughs> I won a footy in the raffle. You got a six pack. It was a great. It was our best night last year for sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm gonna miss this. I can't believe our traditions coming to an end. All right, I, I'm coming over to your house 4:30 in the morning. All right, great. I'm bringing tequila. All right, we got we got a long a long one here. Let's get to it. Does uh, Geelong? play uh, before their games that they play Jalong 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 Long Lee Long 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 Come on uh, Sorry about that um, Listen JD get the cool story bro uh, Audio drop here I can't talk The cool story drop for this guy here Hey yo Absence of Jams On the latest Beach episode Lee sounded truly terrifying when talking about the delivery room slash stinky beef situation I don't think he would ever actually kill a man but I probably shouldn't make any assumptions about a man who sits backwards on a toilet to pee. I had my own smelly delivery room situation when my son was born in April, but I was the villain. My wife was going on hour 18 in the hospital, and I was getting hungry, so I ordered some Chipotle delivery for dinner. Unfortunately, immediately after I ordered, the doctor came in and decided it was time for the epidural. As the nurses prepared to inject a giant needle into my wife's spine, I got an alert that my delivery driver had arrived. So I slowly slunk out of my room to grab my food. Since this was peak quarantine, no eating was allowed in any public areas. So I returned to the delivery room and ate my delicious burrito bowl in the corner. All while my wife glared at me. She hadn't been allowed to eat a proper meal since over 18 hours ago. And here I was crushing a massive Chipotle bowl. I had to order double meat to hit a delivery minimum, which only made things worse. Yeah. I'm sure your wife was looking over at you thinking, this guy ordered double meat? Uh, Needless to say, what I thought would be a nice hearty dinner instead turned into an absolute disaster. 
bringing it back to basketball. Hopefully the baby went okay. Uh, what are your favorite examples of NBA teams thinking they're set up for success only to totally implode in hilarious fashion? Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That's from Steve Ward in Chicago, eating that Chipotle bowl hard. Thanks, Steve, they, for sending that do, in. Do you think they named their baby Chipotle? <laughs> Chipotle Ward? Whack. Mm. <laughs> money, 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 money. What's your baby's name? Extra guac. Um... <laughs> Yeah, okay, so back to basketball. That was a very cool story, bro. No doubt. I did like it. I enjoyed it. I'm glad we included it. Uh, And you're right. Lee Wood. I think Lee would kill a man. I think he would. Uh, Yes. Yes, that was as close as You're saying like that you have. Uh, I haven't, but... uh, Yeah, and that hospital room, uh, that was as close as I've come. And I would have... I would have pleaded guilty, but I've also said I'm not going to jail for that because he deserved it, so... Right, right. Changing the rules. Okay. Um, So, yeah, favorite examples of NBA teams that were sort of set up and they imploded... I got a couple. Uh, one of them I already mentioned in this podcast. The Mavericks, that's a rough one. I mean, they were, the Mavericks were 67 and 15 in 06 07. <laughs> that's a hell of a record. Uh, you know, ha- after having just made the finals the year before, Dirk won MVP, and they got sort of embarrassed by the We Believe Warriors. I mean, you had Steven Jackson shutting down the MVP in Dirk and Matt Barnes all up in his shorts and stuff like that. So, hey, I don't know if it's hilarious, but that was like, damn, that's a real good team uh, losing to an eight seed there. 2010-11 Heat is an obvious one just because they were the not one, not two, not three, blah, blah, blah. The decision, uh, the super team, the villains. Um, and they lose the first year. Of course, they had some success after that. But to see them lose, I think people were loving that. They were relishing the fact that uh, especially LeBron came up short after going down to South Beach, taking his talents. And then I'll add one more. I'll say a recent one. I think a lot of people enjoyed the uh, 2019-20 Clippers imploding and blowing a 3-1 lead themselves to the Denver Nuggets. Um, a lot of people dislike Paul George. A lot of people dislike Patrick Beverly. Eh, Kawhi even polarizing, I think, to some people with the load management. And then, of course, Toronto and Canada and him leaving. You know, some people upset, some people not, like myself. But I think people uh, took some uh, little joy in them uh, falling to uh, the Nuggets after being up 3-1. So those are three that come to mind. Uh, you got anything to add there, Lili? Yeah, I, uh, just on the Kawhi stuff, I think it is very interesting because the Raptors won the championship and when Kawhi took off 22 games, but the championship sort of papered over any cracks because if he left after a year, and let's say that the four bouncer didn't go in Philly and they lose, mm-hmm. I think there would have been like, man, the Raptors players didn't like the fact that Kawhi took off games whenever he felt like it, but they won and won the championship. Whereas the Clippers, now it's like, See, you didn't. You did all that load management, and we came up short. So then they start turning on each other a bit. They start pointing the fingers a bit, you know. So that's uh, that's an interesting uh, scenario that's playing out there. Um, yeah. So for me, I've got a couple too. Uh, the 2012-2013 LA Lakers were second favorite heading into that season, second championship favorite behind the Miami Heat. That's of course with Dwight and Steve Nash. Yeah, and uh, they got swept by the Spurs in the first round. They had a few injuries, but there's a fantastic gif out there of Dwight Howard sort of slunking to the bench and Tim Duncan just smiling the whole way, just like in a classic Tim Duncan fashion, like just laughing at Dwight because they went in. They had su- they had that Sports Illustrated cover where they had the unironed shorts and singlets they were wearing, uh, and it just fell this apart. This is going to be fun. Exactly. It fell apart very, very quickly. And then uh, the other one is the uh, 2012-13 Brooklyn Nets uh, roster. Of course, they, they made the huge trade there uh, in the off. Oh, was it 13-14, actually, maybe? I might be off a season there. But uh, it was when the, when the Nets gave up three unprotected first-round picks for uh, Pierce and Garnett, and I think Jason Terry as well. 
And uh, we knew that was short-sighted at the time. And if you look at some of the players the Celtics have got out of that draft now, like Brown and uh, Tatum, that uh, one just keeps on coming back to haunt the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, that was pretty fun. I mean, of course, they did upset the Raptors in the first round, which is not fun. Another sort of ba- bad day for the Raptors here. But uh, then they got killed by the Heat again. LeBron and Dwayne Wade killed them in the second round. So uh, I think people enjoyed seeing just how desperate the Nets were to win and the expectations that the owner Prokhorov uh, gave them. And they gave up their mortgage, their future, and they didn't even get close to a championship. Right, so, right. a couple of fun ones there. Billy King is not my GM. I <laughs> uh, just feel like singing. Yeah, Billy making a bad move there. Uh, to me, I go, I go back for a team that really disappointed after the expectations were really high. I go back to 2000, Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill teaming up with the Orlando Magic. I just thought, two Hall of Famers in their prime, they're going to win a playoff series one they didn't win a playoff series now a lot of that has to do with Grant Hill no doubt uh, because he was injured uh, you know he had some serious injuries where he had a staph infection and they had to rush him back to the hospital and that was uh, really worrisome I think he had a 104 fever and so uh, amazing that he came back to play the way he did for such a long career but I just thought Tracy McGrady he left the Raptors for a reason to be the number one guy and it's crazy when you look back. He led the league in scoring twice as a member of the Magic. Uh, he was a baller. He was an all-NBA player all four seasons that he was there, uh, which I totally forgot. Twice on first team, twice on the second team. Uh, but the the embarrassing part enters in in 2003. If you guys remember, they were playing the Pistons, and they are up 3-1. And Tracy McGrady was at the podium, and he said, it is feels good to get into the second round. <laughs> now, maybe he forgot uh, that the five-game series had been gone uh, that season. Maybe he thought it was a five-game series and they won. But uh, the Orlando Magic blew that 3-1 lead and the Pistons came back uh, because they used that as bolt and board material, I'm pretty sure. And and Trace McGrady didn't get out of the first round there. So that was, that was ugly, ugly stuff. Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady, you just thought. I just, yeah. those, those two amazing players, uh, but yeah, didn't come together whatsoever. And then McGrady left and went to Houston and balled out there. Uh, he was he was amazing there, but uh, the playoffs sort of haunted him as well for, for a bit. For sure. Yeah. All right, our next one here. Hi, guys. I discovered you on my road trip across the country while I was moving from State College, Pennsylvania, back to Los Angeles this past summer. It was right before the bubble relaunched, and you guys had been doing a bunch of stories on what was happening leading up to it. It was on my stretch of drive, um, driving from Dallas to New Mexico on I-10, that I decided to really get back in the know of what was going on in the bubble. And a few podcasts later, I was hooked on No Dunks. I got a dog back in August, and No Dunks has been my official dog walking podcast. Oh, thank you. Has there ever been a time you were on a long drive or doing something so boring you decided to listen to something new, and then you got hooked. Keep up the good work. That's from Virginia, now back in Los Angeles. Tass, what do you got? I got a weird one. Uh, for some reason, I can't remember why I was looking at the top charts uh, of Apple Podcasts because I needed just something to listen to. So I I had listened to Joe Rogan a little bit a long time ago. This was, this was I don't know, like seven, eight, nine years ago. I don't know how long it was. Uh, but Joe Rogan's been around for a long time. So I thought, oh, I'll just click on to Joe Rogan here. 
But I wasn't clicking on a Joe Rogan. I clicked on the Joe Rogan Experience Experience, a show that recapped the Joe Rogan show. Wow. So, so I, yeah, I started listening wow. and these three guys are just talking about Joe Rogan and the stories he was telling on the latest episode. And they were saying, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a great episode. I've heard those Joe Rogan stories before. And I'm like, this was on the top charts. It was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12. It was way up there uh, while Joe Rogan was, you know, uh, obviously yeah. hovering at the top. Uh, but because of Joe Rogan's name, this got up there. And it wasn't a very good experience listening to this experience. <laughs> I got to be honest. I'm not sure if they're still on top of the charts, but I don't think they are. So that experience, not so good. Uh, we, we should start a podcast commenting on them, <laughs> commenting on Joe Rogan's podcast. See how many layers we can get this. Wow, that's crazy. What happened yeah. to the Tweet of the Week Army podcast, which mm. is a you know, uh, song? Yeah. Yeah. I was going there for a while, yeah. 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 Uh, I'll, uh, I'll go next here because I've done a long road trip. I've uh, driven back to Canada once or twice here, uh, a couple years ago now, of course, from Atlanta. It's a long drive, yeah, 14, 15, 16 hours. Um, and one of those trips, we this was all Nora's doing. Uh, you know, she's plugged into the... Uh, the crime podcasts. Um, she found one called Crime Town. That's what it's called. And man, I was hooked. We were both hooked. It made the drive go so quick because it's like a serial documentary um, podcast produced by Gimlet Media. This is years ago now. I think 2016 is when it started. It's about how organized crime has shaped like particular American cities. And the first whole season was about Providence, Rhode Island. You know, so a city I know nothing about, had no idea there's all these mob ties and all these weird characters and this organized crime. So well done. The characters in this are amazing and it's real. Um, and I think it was like 18 official episodes and then there was a bunch of bonus episodes. And I just remember that drive like, like it was like we're not stopping. Like I, I mean, <laughs> like I'm so into this. I'm so in the zone driving. We're making great time here, and like this is just the hours are flying by because we're just enthralled with this podcast. Uh, so Crime Town, shout out to Crime Town again. 2016, I think they maybe started to do a second season about Detroit. I think I, I didn't, I didn't have a trip to go on, so I wasn't listening to mm. it. So I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Some some of the listeners out there, I don't even know if they continued with it, but. Uh, Look it up if you've ever got a long drive. Crime Town, 2016 about Providence, Rhode Island. It's fascinating stuff just because the characters the guys are talking to are amazing. Uh, so Skis, amazing. we're low on gas. I don't care. Oh, no. <laughs> we're, we're, go, we're finishing this episode at least, even if it ends us on the side of the uh, interstate. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Lee, you got an answer? Well, I mean, I haven't been on a long road trip for a while, but uh, we've been on a couple of two or three hour trips with the boys. Uh, and I just have to say the listening and driving experience is different when you've got kids because... Mm. They don't care what you want to listen to. They want to listen to their own music over and over and over again. And if you want to stay sane, you just have to sort of bow and give in. And uh, they like music, like, but sometimes they just like the uh, uh, Despicable Me soundtrack as well. Sure. Yeah, Minions and stuff like that. And sometimes you're driving along and I'm a little bit different to you. I'm driving as fast as I can to get to the destination so I can turn it off because uh, you're driving along. Yeah, I can't do it, but you hear the Despicable Me's uh, voices and it's just like over and over. One more time, Dad. One more time. Especially the eight-year-old's not too bad, but the four-year-old's at that stage like again, yeah. again. Again, and you're just like, oh my god, no more, please, please. So, uh, that's when you stick in why, an airplane. Uh, Lee, this is why you're a great dad. I'm a good dad. You're a great dad because I would never f- 
can do that ever in a million years. You're listening to what I want to listen to. There's no way that I'm listening to the to whatever they want to listen to. Not yeah. not a chance. <laughs> well, look, I, I guess I, I I start the trip by not saying anything about the music. I just sort of hope that no one's listening. But uh, you know, after half an hour, they're like, "Can we listen to this? Can we listen to that?" And I'm just like. All right, I've I've tried I've tried resisting in the past, but it just creates a worse uh, environment. I guess I have to say I probably when it's just me and Roxana in the car, I'm probably like driver decides. No, there's no uh, negotiation there. <laughs> but the kids will wear you down, man. They'll wear you down. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't yelled to the back seat. We're listening to English Nick and the River. <laughs> oh man, exactly. Ninety-seven-one, the river. That's, That's a right, great man. Station. That, I was yeah. just listening to it this morning. Oh yeah. Nah, nah. I tell you what, the boys—they love. Uh, they love a couple. They love Queen. They love Will Smith, and they love Britney Spears as well. Right. So you know, we get a little bit of sort of nineties uh, music and sort of seventies and eighties music in there sure. as well. So I don't mind it. You know, I like Big Will. I like Queen. <laughs> Britney's okay. <laughs> JD, do you have an answer for this? Uh, well, it's not. It's uh, it's kind of all, almost the birth of this podcast was I di- <laughs> I discovered podcasting not while I was uh, driving, but when I was uh, doing a little show called Caillou back in the day. It was uh, mm. two thousand four, two thousand five, and uh, I was tasked with doing. The feet only. I only did the feet that first season of Caillou. So I would sit there and and I, and I couldn't stand Caillou's voice. So I muted the the dialogue track. And all I would do is just add feet every time there was a footstep on the screen. I would have to add a, a sound effect. So uh, and it was right when Lost had just come out. The Lost came out in uh, two thousand and four. So as I was listening to audiobooks, but it was starting to get a little expensive. So then I discovered iTunes. Uh, podcasts and i listened to three different lost podcasts those were my first my first foray into podcasts and uh they were terrible but i listened to them and i was like oh i i could do this we could do this let's let's do a podcast and uh the basketball jones was born wow so So we can actually thank caillou i guess and lost for uh, starting starting the basketball jones podcast (laughs) down the hatch we go who was the there was another podcast you were listening to at the time it was a couple right a man and a woman Uh, yeah keith and the girl i think they might still be going wow i think they're still going so they're they're like the ogs the ogs yeah i I, even i remember that one keith and the girl good call great questions guys let's take one more quick break before we get to a few more and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, a few more questions. we got to wrap this up. We're running long here today. Sup, yeah, floaters. 
When I had my birthday a couple of weeks ago, my brother showed me a video. It was the one and only Skeets wishing me a happy birthday. I was so surprised and so happy that I had to hold back a few tears of joy. <laughs> Normally, I kind of expect the gifts I get, but that video surprised me so much, it kind of overshadowed all the other gifts of the day. So my question to you guys is, when was the time you received a gift that you would have never expected? Greetings from Germany. That's from Paul Grimmig. Thank you for the email, Paul Skeets. This one's all you. Well, that's fantastic. I'm happy to hear someone in Paul's life came through with the cameo from old Skeetsy. Uh, go to cameo.com. Find J.E. Skeets if you want a message from me. Uh, all that money goes to charity anyway, so might as well do it if you want a video from me. Um, I enjoy doing them. They're a lot of fun, so I'm glad you liked it, Paul. Uh, my answer for this, I already talked once about um, Nora surprising me with a trip to Dublin way back in the day. That was cool because that's when we didn't have any money either. We were basically poor, uh, you know, trying to get by in Toronto, which is an expensive damn city. But then she somehow uh, sprung this little trip to Dublin for uh, like four days. That was awesome. But most recently, Nora made me a photo book um, of one of our favorite trips to Western Canada when uh, I went to... Uh, Went to Vernon, British Columbia to see friends. And then we went, Nora and I, we went on a sort of a road trip to Banff National Park and Jasper National Park. And it was such an awesome trip. We were gone for like three or four weeks. So she did the old classic, um, you know, sort of scrapbook, I guess. But, you know, you can like upload the photos to these services now and like make these really slick productions. So this was one of my birthday gifts. It was awesome. And we got a second one for free because they accidentally put a weird caption. They On one of the photos, like in Banff National Park, it said like, accidentally i don't know how it said like uh, mongolia or something like that <laughs> it said like cambodia or something some weird country that they just for some reason slapped on there uh so they sent us another one um uh, but yeah that's a nice gift that's a thoughtful gift because man there's like it's a legit book we obviously had a ton of photos from seeing friends and doing a bunch of stuff and going to all these parks i mean it took her a lot of time and effort to put into this so something like that's always next level so that was very very kind of her so oh, that's that that's my buddy grish's move that yeah, a, my that's buddy a, grish didn't make it the scrapbook uh, that guy I, makes a scrapbook <laughs> for everything took a could, trip down to the store and made a scrapbook <laughs> uh, but here's me buying some eggs at Publix. <laughs> um yeah he does like that that's a that's a grish move but uh this nora did it a lot better than anyone i've seen from grish i'll tell you that yeah, it's easy to make a mistake on those <laughs> captions though i'm sure that was there, yeah. mistake, but it's yeah it was a, just a yeah it was just a random thing i think i don't know how the heck it popped in there on one of the photos but you're right a ton of work because you're right it's not just the photos there are like this is when we were doing this or this is where we were and stuff like that so it's it's extremely well done lee you've done that before haven't you shutter flied before i shot a fly tons of stuff basically every mother's day and anniversary uh for roxana i do something off shutterfly so we got plates and bowls and mugs and uh, drinking bottles and all sorts of stuff covered in photos. Yeah, we've got scrapbooks all over the place. But because it's 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 good because otherwise your photos just stay on your phone. Yeah. So many times you get I've got all these great photos, especially from a trip. Then you get home and you just kind of forget about them. So, you know, it's a good thing Roxana's birthday, our anniversary, and Mother's Day are very very close by. So I just up I go crazy on Shutterfly for about six weeks and order all sorts of stuff and. Uh, you know, it's a bit repetitive, but it's fine. It's you know, <laughs> it's just you standing like this in every photo. It's a <laughs> yeah, little weird yeah. in a puffy jacket in front of the kids uh, for yeah. the cake. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. My mother-in-law for our, our, our kids does it monthly. We get a monthly little. Yeah, book. I think the Kirby's do that too, don't they? I'm pretty sure they do. We we get something on Instagram where it's not monthly. It's like when you hit a certain amount of photos, they just automatically triggers it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Now it's it's a little much. Monthly is a little much. Yeah, it, that's it, a lot. It is. You said repetitive. It get it definitely gets a little repetitive. It's like when you were young and you had a girlfriend for a long period of time. Did you celebrate monthly? Did you have a monthly anniversary? <laughs> I did. Mistake. Just just do it every every so often, every few months. Now it, it it is really nice to have and get them off the phone. Uh, Lee, you got an answer for this, baby? Well, kind of uh, a little bit like what Skeets was saying there. Uh, a friend of mine once flew over from, uh, I was in London. He flew from Australia on Emirates to uh, England. And uh, something happened on his flight. And they gave him a free return flight to Dubai from London. But he didn't really need it because he had his return ticket. And, and they weren't going to give him anything else. They said, this is, this is what we give you. You can transfer it to somebody else. Mm. And he gave me a ticket to Dubai, one ticket. And I was like, oh, perfect. I can't wait. I'm going to use it for sure. And I never used it because uh, I, I was like, I kept trying to organize someone to go with because I didn't want to go by myself, like all the way out there. And it was one of those things that sort of got pushed back. A few people were like, yeah, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. And then I ended up just not using it. It expired after like 18 months or something. I can't remember what it was. And I was like, I can't believe I just had a free ticket to Dubai and I never used it. Never been there. Never been there. Wow. And I missed out. So many photos of you standing in front of cool-looking oh, things yeah. in Dubai yeah. we missed out on. You in, the de- you in the desert alone. I guess well, we that- have photos of you in the desert in Jordan. I wanted right? to do that thing you can do in Dubai where apparently you can go surfing. Uh, you know, On the same day, you can go surfing outside and then go inside to that massive uh, yeah. uh, skiing. Ski. Oh, have you been there? Did you do that? I've been to Dubai. I didn't go yeah. to that, though. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah, That's what I would have done. But this was before Twitter and Instagram, so would it have even been worth it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't make a scrapbook out of it. Uh, a weird gift uh, that I didn't expect was uh, basketball related. 2017, all-star game in New Orleans. Check into my hotel room. There's a bottle of champagne sitting there with a card. Card signed by Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> Sherlin Champagne that yeah. he, uh, he has brought into the NBA world and was given to some of the media members there. And it was the first official champagne of a celebration, of a championship celebration. I, I guess that was uh, associated with the Lakers this year. Uh, it wasn't really made a huge deal, but yeah, I was surprised to, to see that. And I just bring it up because I know it angers JD because he didn't get a bottle <laughs> yeah. of champagne. And you too, Lee, right? Yeah. And, and JD and I were at the um, post All-Star Games uh, party and someone took our details specifically <laughs> and said, it's coming, it's on its way. And we're uh. like, great. Never happened. I hope Zeke sees this, man. Oh, Where no. is it, Blake? Was that his name, yeah. Blake? I can't remember, but I, I, I remember getting excited and me and JDB sort of like, great, we're getting our champagne, as we deserve, as we deserve. Right. Never showed up. Yeah, well, wow. there was no way we were getting that champagne. I mean, <laughs> that was the night we were leaving, wasn't it? Like, it no, was... but they, they took our address to like send yeah, it to right, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, we worked with the guy for three more years or whatever. And... <laughs> mm. Every time you no saw champagne. me, you're like, mime drinking a champagne <laughs> <Yeah>. bottle. <laughs> exactly. Do you think he fills up the Sherlin bottles with water after they're they're done? Just because he because he uses them on props mm. as as props on the NBA TV set pretty often. Mm. Mm. Uh, nah, they're drinking. They're, I think they've got to connect. They don't. They're not going through Blake. <laughs> I hope you guys get your bottle. So do I. One of these. Love did, champagne. Did you ever get those jeans you were supposed to get in the mail? Ah, from uh, what was that guy's name? Yeah, he was angry. He was angry at my jeans, and he said he's going to send me a few pairs. All right, great. Never turned up. <laughs> Never got them. All talk muzzle wump. That was his name. muzzle wump. <laughs> All I can't talk believe muzzle, muzzle wump. wump didn't come through. I know. I know. I know. You didn't get your jeans. Wump wump. <laughs> oh man. All right. One more before we wrap this bad boy up. <laughs> Hey, Toe Hunks, 
Long time, first time. On one of your recent Beach Steppin episodes, Skeets finally noticed that Lee and JD had sneakily replaced the stumpy feet guy in the opener with old eight toes. Yeah, there they are. Now, I'm very much team podcast (laughs) since I listen to your show every day on the way to and from work. But when I heard this exchange, I had to go back and watch the YouTube video. I was stunned to see that the first three toes on old eight toes, right foot, are fused. And that's why he's called old eight toes. For some reason, I had always assumed that Ole Eight Toes was called Ole Eight Toes because he was straight up missing one toe from each foot. I went all these years listening to your show thinking I knew all about your friends' bodies, but boy, was I wrong. Anyways, my question to you is this. What's one time you thought you were in on a joke only to realize you had been solely mistaken the whole time? Eight Toes, Rhino Sets, Grisham. <laughs> That's from Bayon from London, Ontario, Canada. Shout out to London. I don't really have an answer to the question, but I'm 100% on board with what he thought. For the longest time, we heard old eight toes. I think I've said this before. I thought that just meant that he had four, four toes on each foot. I would have never, ever in a million years had thought that it was because three of them were lumped into one. Yeah. Fused together. Yeah, um, he, the appearance yeah. of 10, but uh, three operators a single unit. So uh, right. they only count as eight. Yeah. You know, realistic. <laughs> now, I've got another mate called Kit Kat who's uh, missing. He was born without a thumb. Uh, and so he's only got four fingers. So that's 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 legit. That's legit. <laughs> What's going on in the water in Australia? You got to drink nah, more oxygen water. He's, uh, he's Nobody's coming out with weird body parts. How close are you to a nuclear plant? <laughs> uh, Kit Kat's from South Africa, so uh, oh, geez, okay. <laughs> but it's funny because. Um, you know, when you go to meet somebody, it's on his right hand. So when you shake hands, you know, yeah. you, 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 the you thumb, slide, you realize, yeah, yeah the, you, you expect the thumb to be there and you slide right <laughs> past and you sort of grab his forearm. You're already bad at handshakes. That must be a <laughs> yeah. For yeah, I know. That one's one of those ones you're like, what the hell did I miss there? You know, but, uh, did nah, he, was, he was born without a thumb? He was born without oh, a thumb. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy, Kit Kat. Yeah. Sure. Really good guy. But, you know, he's sort of like, you know, people, every time you meet someone new, he's like, yeah, I was born without a thumb. No big deal. You must but. be fucking pissed with you every time you do your old two thumbs up. I'll tell you that. You're just <laughs> flaunting it in his face. Nah, he's a good sport, Kit Kat. He's fine. All right. <laughs> yeah, got, he, he, he's another guy who has a tattoo of Lee, but it's just one thumb. Uh, one thumb up. Kit Kat. That's legit. It's legit. That's a great nickname, honestly. <laughs> it is a great nickname. It's just a fun thing to say. It's so perfect, the visual. I'm on board with that. I like that. Um, do you have an answer for this, Lee? Uh, I was trying to think of tough. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It is because in school, you know, sometimes when like you would, you know, put the the sticker on the back of someone that says "kick me" and all that, you're being on that. But sometimes you were the one who was being kicked as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had another story, but that's uh, <laughs> that that one's uh, not appropriate for uh, to broadcast because of uh, oh. it involves a couple of people. But that was a pretty funny story one time in Spain, actually. <laughs> In Barcelona, oh, you can't yeah. say that was a pretty funny story. Ah, uh, no, story. no. I was, try- I was trying to think. Could I somehow shoehorn this in without giving away the details? But no, I can't. Unfortunately, sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough, really. I-, I think. I guess. I guess the only time 
We've all been in on a joke is when we used to hide the orange gum from our uh, producer, Matt. <laughs> you know, because he would eat the whole packet in like 10 minutes and, 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 and act like he hasn't. And so we would have a whole fresh like 20 packet thing of it and someone would hide it. We would have then, to hide it, yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Matt would leave the office and come back and there'd just be a, a packet on the desk and no one would say anything and... A couple of times he was looking around like, where did that come from? Oh, it was, it was Matt's birthday yesterday. We should have sent him a package oh, that would have oh, appeared yeah. to be a whole array of gum. But then yeah. he'd open it and, and it, there'd, there'd be a note. Oh, we're hiding it from you, man. No, no. Go come it, find it. It would be it would be all the gum that we've already chewed and wrapped up <laughs> oh, in the corner yeah. of the packet and just oh, put back in. Yeah, because he wouldn't throw those in the them. trash. He would pile them up next to his like. <laughs> he would have like ten pieces of chewed gum there, and he, and he wouldn't think that was weird either. Of no. all the things that he thinks I did that was gross, <laughs> he didn't think that was gross. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's fair. He, yeah, that's, that's a good he's point. He's so he's so against biting into a fresh piece of fruit <laughs> but he'll, he'll have used gum on a table for hours <laughs> yeah. okay, I'll give a quick answer to this one um, and it, it it does involve a thumb actually yeah the, uh, the it's not a Kit Kat story but the emailer signed off there with eight toes rhino sets Grisham yep. a few of our friends and, and mine does involve rhino sets who was once Canadian Junior Bowler of the Year. The man knows his bowling. He won the TSN Classic Bowl Championship. The announcer said, this kid's got maple moxie. Yeah, the Canadian definitely had a lot of maple moxie. Uh, Rhino Sets, actually, he told me that in the PBA, the Professional Bowlers Association, they had started bowling with two hands, and I didn't believe him. I said, there's no chance. Like They would put two hands on the ball and throw it. Right. You know, They stick their thumb in there. Stick their other two fingers in there, corral it, and do a, a, a you know their big spin. I just, I just thought it's not it's not legal. It's not possible that. But uh, they, he had me. He had me. Uh, I, I just didn't. Uh, I mean, I guess I, I just had myself because I didn't believe it for a while, and then I, then I saw it. The best bowlers in the world now bowl with two hands. Jason Belmonte, he's a two hand bowler, flinging it out there. It's crazy. How can you but, do that? that but that's... you mean when you when you say two hands, he's not literally sticking. Fingers no. from both hands into the okay, like, yeah, he's like just what using, kids do, yeah, okay, yeah. He's okay. he's got he's got both hands. He 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 guides it with the other hand, like it, it's right. it's on the whole time until he he lets it go. He it's not a traditional rear back with your one arm. You kind of you know it's less of a uh, yeah. a wind up, and uh, yeah, that's two hands. That's crazy. I mean, I'm gonna say it almost makes more sense, doesn't it? We shoot a basketball with two hands. You use your other one as like a guiding hand. Yeah, it just feels like cheating. Uh, yeah. After after seeing generations of generations uh, bowl with one hand, but it's 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 the way the game's evolving. It's the way the sport's evolving. But it does it doesn't it feel like cheating? You're using two I hands. I, yeah, I don't like it. The old schoolers definitely don't like it. They think nah. it's uh, they think it's cheap. I mean, cheating. I don't think is the right word for it. It's yeah, it's unorthodox. It'd be like someone shooting underhand free throws. I would guess. I mean, it's it's still the same thing. You're still doing the the, the same. Uh, the goal is not changed. It's just how you're going about it. it looks I silly. Think, but I, I I think with bowling with professional balls, the spin they put on the ball. I think it would be harder to do that with uh, two hands. You know, because you got to curve it around and. You know, it's got a grip, and then maybe spin the back second in. hand while he's throwing it is like spinning it even more. Coming down on it. The spin's still there. It's just it makes it a, a tiny bit easier, I guess, to to be able to guide it where yeah. you want. 
Um, oh, we, uh, we got Dave Setton here in the comments. Oh, jeez, uh, his brother. Someone's oh. talking about... He's the better uh, bowler, by the way. Oh, if, bowling. if you talk to Dave. That's Dave's... the real Dave Setton. Let's see. Uh, 300 is. is a perfect game, says Dave Setton. 12 strikes in a row. 800 series is three consecutive games, adding to at least 800. 800 is much harder. Oh, yeah. We've talked about this before, yeah. right? Yeah. He's, yeah. Oh, he's he's just having a chat with somebody in the, uh, <laughs> in the chat here. Because Erwin Orosio asked, is... Is a 800 still better than a perfect right. game? Wow, people don't that's, forget that's anything. the debate. Three games to get you to 800, or a perfect, perfect game. game? Yeah, is that more more difficult? Because Dave Setton, he's never bowled a perfect game from no. what I remember, but he's yep. done the 800 in three games. So that's the debate. But listen, Rhino Setton's he's got the resume to prove it. Canadian Junior <laughs> Bowl of the Year. You can watch him on YouTube. TSN oh, Classic yeah. Bowl Championship. He's got the Maple Moxie. He's you mentioned Vic Router a couple of weeks ago, Lee, <laughs> the TSN broadcaster. He's calling Rhino Setton's wow. Classic Bowl Championship as he as does he takes the sports, home the man. big check. What a, that's incredible. I mean, when you said he does all the sports, I didn't think bowling was up there as well. I mean, Olympics and hockey and maybe basketball, tennis, but bowling as well, man. What a what a star Vic is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go check that clip out. Let's call it there because that's a lot of bowling talk to end a basketball podcast with. But we appreciate all your emails. Keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at no dunks inc. Thanks to everybody who joined us live here as part of the stream team on YouTube. If you haven't catched or listened, excuse me, to some of our podcasts earlier this week, I highly recommend you do. We talked to John Schumann about uh, the most intriguing free agents. Um, which we ended up uh, realizing wasn't the most intriguing list in the world, uh, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun with Shu. And then we talked to Ben Standig uh, talking about that athletic NBA agent survey, which uh, came out in two parts this week on The Athletic. Uh, some juicy stuff in there, some comments on LeBron uh, and, and some other things. So go check that out. That was a lot of fun as well. So those were two guests we had on this week. If you haven't listened to those podcasts, go and download them. I think you'll really enjoy them. And thanks again for joining us. Keep questions coming. We'll call it there. Everybody have a safe and fun weekend. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. I don't want to do this, but a little bit more bowling talk. And since we had John Schumann on this week, who likes to correct people with a well actually, I just got well actually by my friend Dave Seddon. He said, I have four 300s, four perfect games, and was the youngest in Ontario at the time to shoot an 800. Way to go. I just got well actually by my buddy. On this show, that's crazy. And he's not even the best bowler in his family either. No, not even close. But he he's probably he might, third he to sign the set. That's that's the crazy part. We're gonna see a thirty for thirty doc about the sets bowling one of these days. I'm telling you. Embrace the weekend, people.
as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.